Hey. Hey. I'm Alex. I'm Val. And we are here to talk about the fourth episode of season 6B entitled Chasing It. Alex just <laughs> made us go back and re-record this because he didn't mm. know that it was episode four. That's not why, actually. It's because of the levels on the microphones. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine with coming across poorly on my knowledge. That's totally fine. Mm-hmm. The, the episode is called Chasing It. Chasing It. I was too caught up in all the details and the levels and the digital zero. and. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I erased... Six seconds. Yeah, it was it was about the same introduction. It was just us saying hey. Similarly awkward. Yeah. yeah. So that was about it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, chasing it. Yeah, interesting episode. Really interesting episode. We were just talking very briefly on our way from the TV to <laughs> our computer, which is about four feet away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, how. Every episode in 6B seems to have these kind of clues that are left in these keys Mm -hmm. for the end of the series and for the final scene. Mm -hmm. And I think that there is a particular relevance to the themes of the series on the whole that happen every episode of 6B. I feel like they're kind of like tackling these specific things that kind of sum up everything that we've been dealing with over the course of the seven, Mm -hmm. 6.5 seasons. Mm -hmm. Um. I think, yeah, I want to talk about some of those things. And again, like without giving away like, you know, very many spoilers, like I think we do want to, or I want to, you can tell me what you think, Mm. um, talk about some things that relate to the end. Again, I'm not going to like describe the ending until we get there, but I think it's important, even if you're watching this for the first time, like there's some things to really pay attention to if you want to understand this show on the whole. Absolutely. And so I, so anyways, we'll get, we'll get there, but. I just feel like there's more depth too, by the time we get to 6B. Like there's just so much going on under the surface. Well, we have a lot of history already with these characters. So like we can have a lot of layers within each episode because we can do so much with like a small moment with a character because we know so much about them leading up to it. Right. So we can have these kind of like very kind of efficient moments right with amazing writing obviously um but we can actually explore the reactions and in this episode we see a lot of our character family right we see we get to like witness that and because we kind of like know them so well we i don't know it's like it can be a moment without very much kind of action happening or very much time spent with the characters right so i think that's why these feel so deep in a lot of ways because they are really like they're covering a lot of ground they're right. And moreover, too, I think that we have the the filmmakers have so much history in developing this yeah, show, that's too. True too. Yeah. They've had a chance to develop their thematic material so much to think of what they want to express through The Sopranos. And it's getting to this like most distilled, kind of mature point by 6B, where they're kind of putting it all in there. And it becomes more to deconstruct at this point, I find. Like, there's just, there are yeah. more. There are more clues. There's more going on under the surface. There's more ways to read everything. There's more um, meaning behind everything yeah. that's presented in the show by 6B. Well, I think it's also like I was saying in, again, the time it took for us to get from the couch to over here. Mm. Which um, is about one second. <laughs> which is about <laughs> a second. Um, that... Like, I'm just in awe of the writing of this season on the whole because there's these different writers giving us these different episodes that all have their own 
vibe, their own storytelling, their own kind of way of dealing with this end game of the show. But at the same time, there's these, um, I don't know, clues is the best word that I can usually come up with. But I know like that's, I don't know, like he's not, he's not about us finding clues to solve problems necessarily right. either. But like, I don't know, these kind of keys maybe more than clues. Um, that really take us towards the end game of the of the show for sure, but also like explains a lot of things up to this point. You know, it kind of like unlocks moments from um, previous seasons as well. Totally. So yeah, like a key more than a clue. Key more than a clue. But yeah. that they can anyways, like this team of writers, right, who can sit down and say like, here's what we want to do with six B on the whole, right, and like let's do this. Yeah. Um, incredible. Well, the writing, I mean, just like unim- like it's unimaginably cool. Right, and it's really been distilled too down to its essence. Like right. we have some of like the it's, key writers who yeah. are really contributing. This one's written by Matthew Weiner, mm-hmm. and uh, I can't take I can't take that name seriously. Great writer, <laughs> classic writer of our time, very important contributor to the pantheon of television. Weiner, Matthew Weiner. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm a stupid child. <laughs> it's true. Um, okay, so how would you like to tackle this episode with that in mind? <laughs> with that, with that in mind, with wieners. that in mind, yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I think like we can talk about it kind of as we go through it in some ways. But mm-hmm. this episode for me is a lot about family. Mm. It's oh, a lot about friends. I think like friends mm. is a big like who are Tony's friends, right? Who are um, Tony's friends? And then we have this concept of gambling both like tony's active you know like behavior actually gambling and then also kind of like the risks that he's taking or not taking like in his life right, right. um and again this question of what is he chasing right and again the t- the title of the episode being chasing it um we know there's something for us there to unlock right so, I don't know. Um, There's definitely something relevant about that. That actually comes up twice. We have the session with Melfi. Mm -hmm. There's this kind of key line. There's a close-up on Tony's face. He's saying, if you're going to lose, what's the fucking point? Mm -hmm. This idea of you need the risk. And then Melfi says, what are you chasing? Money or the high from winning? Mm -hmm. So that's where we hear this concept of chasing something for the first time. There was something kind of profound about that that made me kind of do a double take this idea of if you're going to lose what's the fucking point because there is this kind of like reckoning for tony at this point i feel like he's reckoning with who he is who he's become we've talked a little bit about this acceptance of the impact that he has on the world around him on his toxicity but then he's in this situation where he keeps on losing it's impacting himself and i think there's also an investigation in this episode on the collateral damage of tony's actions Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like that pebble in a like it, Christopher mentions right. it very 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 briefly but sometimes you need to like hold on to yeah. these things like a pebble in a lake uh, Even where, the fish and that's when it. Tony is acknowledging the impact on Francesca yeah. Vito Jr's sister but there's something about Tony dealing with issues of his own making in this episode um, actually very much at the beginning after Marie talks about needing a hundred thousand dollars and Tony is bitching about it to Syl. Syl says, not your problem. I agree. And then there's this f- shift immediately. There's like a um, there's an edit to the Bing Dancers. Mm. Which is interesting because I feel like we've investigated through Tracy in university. 
something that is maybe not their problem but is related to the actions mm-hmm. of the family mm-hmm. and so we kind of like go straight by them again like not their problem although mm-hmm. impacted by the actions sure. of the soprano family and then we go straight to football and we see football on the screen and then we see these bets that are being made we start off the episode with tony losing on when he bets on 23 on, roulette, on when yeah. he's playing roulette no, he and bets on 11 and he loses doesn't he lose? No, I think he, he wins on he win, 16. He, no, he wins on 23. Oh, okay. Well, anyway. He loses. I wrote it down. Those okay. are the type of weird... These are important like, things ah, to write down. What do these numbers 23? mean? 23? <laughs> anyway, so I'm, try, I'm trying to like stay away from that. Right. The more. secret of The Sopranos. Yeah. But I love how they like you know try to make us go there. What I'm getting at, <laughs> besides <laughs> the number 23, mm-hmm. is there's this focus on football and betting and losing at gambling there's something that's unequivocally of tony's making Mm -hmm. like he is responsible for his own downfall Mm -hmm. and he is having to deal with the repercussions of it and it just keeps on getting worse in this episode so there is this aspect of him chasing something well what is he chasing is he chasing money or a high from winning that answer is not given to us in this episode and i think actually anytime there's a therapy session with melfi in this show where we don't get an answer to one of the questions she poses it's worth reflecting on it because typically it's related to the central theme of the episode yeah i think yep and that chasing it idea actually comes back kind of at the climax of the episode near the end um where tony actually now says i'm losing i'm chasing it every time you get your hands around it you fall backwards so that's interesting because what is he chasing? Again, he does acknowledge it, but he's talking about how when he gets his hands around it, he falls mm-hmm. backwards. And then that leads into Carmela's reflection of she is worried. There's a million other possibilities mm-hmm. that she's worried about. There's this giant piano hanging by a rope mm-hmm. over your head every minute of every day. And so Tony does seem to be chasing something that is ultimately rather destructive while at the same time not acknowledging the imminent danger that he's in and also not acknowledging the imminent danger that he's probably putting his immediate family, family in. Well, and mob family. Right. Everybody and around him. anyone who knows him. Yeah. Right. So that idea of chasing it, I think, is something that's worth kind of dissecting in this episode. Because what is it that he is looking for? Yeah. Well, and that's one of those, like, who are you and where are you going questions right. that we've been asking since the beginning of 6A. Right. Um, what is he chasing? Where is he going? Where does he see himself going? Right. Um, because I don't know if, like, I don't know if it is money or the high from winning. Um, I don't know. I think it's something. It's something else that he's chasing. And Melfi's also was also asking him, kind of like, well, why do you come to therapy? Right. right? Like, is and he it, says that it's an oasis. Is it, is it just the panic attacks? Right. I don't know if, like, again, I don't know if I trust necessarily like the answers that he gave. I I think there is a reason why Tony comes to therapy that's not just as Hmm. an oasis. Or he does confront these existential questions. Like he does, like or he did. He did care (laughs) increasingly. And there's a and there's a reason why I think we have this session with Melfi here now. Like she's asking him to make a choice, and we've been and. We've been asking Tony to make a choice since he woke up from his coma. Yeah. Right? Like, make a choice, you know, choose this way, choose that way. Um, That we're more comfortable with that. And Melfi's really asking him to make a choice. Like, think about if you still want to come. 
um, if you do that there's these rules that need to right. be followed, right? So, um, I mean, and even I think, yeah, yeah, I think like, and we're seeing, I think, again, who Tony is choosing to be, right? Um, and we see these kind of little glimmers, maybe, of this guy who we want to believe Tony is, who you know is happy for Carmela about her spec house, or you know, is kind of this good uncle uh, to Vito Jr. <laughs> or whatever. Guess. I mean, I mean, it's that's a stretch. a stretch. No, but like, it's like, again, it's showing us that he's not he's that, not those right? Things. If we Absolutely. ever, if we ever had this hope that that was something that he did have inside right. him, then the, the show is, I think, showing us now that that's, we should stop hoping for that. Definitely. And I mean, I think that moment where Tony calls out Carmelo on being a shitty businesswoman mm, who built a piece of shit piece house of that'll shit kill house. that baby. Yeah. That also when kind of I'm reminds... When I'm gone, you can live in a dumpster for all wow. I care. Wow. Yeah. That, I mean, that's also, that reminds me of the scene where he really calls out Janice and he really goes against her and is cruel for the sake of being cruel. Tony is able to, he's aware of, of people around him and their weaknesses and the fact that he actually goes out and kind of like goes for the jugular and exploits them. I think there's the moment mm. where we actually kind of see this deep depraved side of him mm-hmm. that whenever we see him kind of take things back and kind of walk them back and, and mm-hmm. seek uh, forgiveness, yeah. it's always, it seems rather manipulative to me. Yes. It seems that he's exercising the I same know. kind of manipulation to just kind of do the right thing yeah. and, sa- and say acted, the words. It's acted it's so just, beautifully yeah. that you can kind of like, and the way Guess that he it. acts acting yeah. is also incredible. I no, I know. Um, <laughs> I think, though, like, the interesting thing about that fight is, like, Carmela knows he's gone off the deep end, kind of. Like, when they're having this fight, you can right. see her, like, when she turns and she, like, tries to quickly walk away. Like, she's afraid. Right. Right? And, <clears throat> you know, we see in this episode, like, you know, like, different characters' gazes on Tony, like Christopher looks at Tony when he says, like, oh, I'm going to bet the whole hundred on this game. Philly. Uh, yeah, on Philly. We were just in we Philly. We were just in Philly. It was great. Um, <laughs> it was great. But, um, yeah, like, so we see these characters, and Hesh, obviously, kind of, like, sees that Tony's not, this is, like, not how... Um, well, that made me think, too, when he makes that $100,000 bet on Philly yeah. on the spur of the moment. He owes Hash $200,000 and is just giving him his yeah. vig? Vig? I know. Vig? <laughs> I'm not well acquainted with these terms. So. <laughs> yeah, that, that one came up a lot. In... Um, but the fact that he had $100,000 just yeah. sitting there that he could have given to Hash. Yeah. And yet he's just betting it on a Philly yeah. game. I know. So. Just something to kind of keep in mind during a scene like that. that yeah. He's fully in control. He's fully able to do the right thing. No, and he I know. chooses not to, but which is important. Yeah. No, I think, but yeah, I think like what, I, what I'm trying to say for, for Hesh, and again, like kind of going back to like being friend, like what I was saying about like what is a friend and who is family kind of thing. Like there are these people who can see that Tony's going off the deep end. Yeah. Melfi being one of them also. Um, that this is not, um, I don't know. Actually, I feel I like Melfi maybe is, but I also feel this like increasing indifference from her. First of all, even her placement in the episode, we barely see her. Yeah. And when she's there, I think she's just kind of over it. I feel, no, I've been I getting that feeling too. for a while. Yeah. I think it's like, she's, she's a little bit indifferent and she's, 
maybe she recognizes the issues, but more than anything, she recognizes that Tony's just not committed. And that's why she says, you need to make a decision yeah. right now. Yeah. That's my interpretation of her yeah. relationship well, with Well, she Tony doesn't want to work with someone who isn't trying to change. Right. Right? And I think that's the thing is she sees more and more like, what, like, and that's why it's like, what are you here for? Right. Right? Like, why do you come? Um, because it's, I don't think it, it, like, it no longer seems like he has an interest in bettering himself, right? He seems to have an interest in making things a lot worse for himself. Um, right. And becoming more and more reckless and kind of like chasing this high more and more. Right. I think Christopher also, like, sees that kind of like, almost addict type personality mm. in it too like christopher no christopher knows because he's been through it um what it looks like to kind of go off the deep end right and be reckless and again chase a high right like a different totally. kind of high but right that idea of chasing it could be different from yeah. character to character sure like this but is, everybody's got it everybody is chasing it yeah right in their own way david chasing it david <laughs> chasing it <laughs> um Absolutely. There, there wasn't. I mean, because that Melfi scene is so short, there's mm-hmm. not that much there. But there was a couple of the things well, that I thought were lot, yeah. that were particularly relevant. This idea of he hasn't had a panic attack since his uncle shot him. I yeah, think it gets revisited in the episode after he loses the huge bet on was it gold meadow meadow, um, meadow gold meadow gold yeah anyway, the horse with meadow in its name great betting strategy clearly that's gonna work out yeah especially when he's like come on mad <laughs> Let, metal gold i wrote it down okay. but then there's this panic attack like slow down uh, yeah afterwards. and we don't see if he actually like passes out or it, anything but it seems like he doesn't because yeah, he continues and he keeps yeah. talking but it's almost like maybe he is seeking that lack of control or something yeah. because i think that control is such a key aspect of this episode and is a theme that's been investigated in the show in general and is actually more and more as i'm watching more film and dissecting this i feel like that idea of of control is like really such a central theme that gets investigated in film mm-hmm. all the time mm-hmm. there are so many classic works where i feel like that is kind of like the central um aspect of the movie that's kind of happening underneath the Definitely. surface and we have talked about it quite a bit in this show, but I feel like, and in fact, like Phil the Eternal, I think we actually see him with a cigar early on. Right, like kind of blowing like it asserting into Tony's himself, face Yeah, blowing too. it yeah. in Tony's face, which is a symbol that we've talked about before. But Tony seems to be kind of trying to gain control in mm-hmm. this episode, and yet at the same time is ironically completely losing control. And well, there's... We, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Well, just to finish my yeah. thought, like there's this parallel between Tony and Vito Jr., and their um, relationship with control at yeah. this moment. And there's, it's interesting because when Tony is talking to him, he's kind of incapable of breaking through to him. Because Vito Jr. is being confronted with these kind of platitudes of you go about in pity for yourself, these things. And, and ultimately, um, aggression that... Tony shows to him the same way he did show to AJ mm-hmm. that actually worked. But Vito seems genuinely depressed and at a loss mm-hmm. in a way where that isn't enough and that what Tony is throwing at him won't actually work. Mm-hmm. And there is this aspect of control that we see kind of manifesting itself in Tony's gambling and Vito's reckless behavior, mm-hmm. dressing up like a sweet goth, um, maybe hanging a cat up to the garage. That's Not good. 
But taking a shit in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, all sorts of great things. But I think there, there's a parallel. Like, what Tony yeah. is doing and what Vito Jr. are doing are very linked. Yeah, Tony's a fucking mess. Like, we, we've we even, in past seasons, had Tony talk about how what his thoughts on gambling, right? So, like, there was a time where Tony was not being reckless like this with the money of the family, right? right. Like, he's he's being nuts and so we've seen again like since we've like heard his character speak out about this before like as a negative behavior like we know that he's not good right right like if he's like off the rails and doing something that he you know thinks is shitty behavior then he's really chosen like he knows he's not good right he's like you know if you're gonna lose anyways Mm. what's the point i feel like that right yeah, and that I think little like, line and that line important. for me yeah like um like it doesn't matter yeah right? that nihilism it's like and him reaching his own nihilism yeah. it's like what's him becoming point? livia and yeah. like we've witnessed the journey yeah and his nihilism is different than hers but we've we've reached that bleak yeah. end point yeah hooray i know but it's like i think <laughs> that like for me that's what that is saying right like it's right. like Uh, And the same with, like, you know, Carmela, you know, like, piece of shit house and, like, you can live in a dumpster for all I care. Like, um, like, that's, it. you know, I don't know. Like, it's going to end anyways. Mm. So what's the, like, you're going to, like, he's, again, like, in some way or another, and again, like, I want to talk about kind of the end of the show a little bit too. Mm -hmm. Like, but in some way or another, Carmela is going to end up like Ginny. Right. (laughs) Like, (laughs) not to be really dark. Oh, God. This is the point. This is the point of the show. You know, but like, this is the thing, right? (laughs) Like, it's like one way or another, that is the outcome of this, right? It might be tomorrow. It might be in eight years. We've heard the same before. Like, there's only two ways out of this, either in jail or in the ground. And so we know that that's inevitable. So, again, if you're going to lose anyways, what's the point? Um, Might as well just be a shitty person um and i think like hold on to this one for kennedy and heidi oh man (laughs) oh man yeah it starts to get Ooh, my heart's like also for any of you go go watch the twilight episode now if you before you get to kennedy and heidi of the man who always wins in the casino yeah because it'll make you enjoy well they reference another twilight zone episode in this episode that we haven't seen eddie valentine so i want to see that So, so yeah we're gonna watch that and if anybody has any experience with the Eddie Valentine Twilight Zone episode, yeah. let us know your thoughts on the Yeah, connection. I don't know how we haven't caught that one before because we yeah. watched the one that comes, well, the one that's referenced in Kennedy and Heidi. Or it's actually not It's not referenced, referenced in, but it's yeah. very much like it. Anyways, right. what I was wanting to say was, you know, again, going back to that, like, that concept of it's going to happen mm-hmm. some way, um, you know, might be now, might be later. I think that conversation, that fight with Carmela when she's like, you know, who's, you just got shot. Like, who is out there, Tony, right? Like, is it, like, is it someone coming to shoot you? Is it the FBI coming to take you away? Or the million other possibilities, like this giant piano hanging over your head? Right. Right? Like, so she's acknowledged this too, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, in some ways she has the same attitude as Tony because... Again, he's like, if you're right. going to lose anyway, what's the point? Like, that's how she's lived her life, right. too. Right? right? Like, she's always known that that's the outcome. 
Right. And so she worries all the time or she's up at night all the time. But, like, that's the life that she has. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, like, these, like, I don't know, these things in this episode, again, I think they link really strongly to the final scene of the final episode. And, you know, there's a lot of, like, I mean, people like to focus on that final scene of the final episode. And there's more, like, there's more to, there's more connections to this than just the ending. Mm -hmm. Like, we, you know, we can look at this throughout the show. Um, Kind of like, you know, when did characters realize that they were culpable in this immoral, violent world? And how did they come to terms with that? Right. So we've seen we've seen this journey throughout the show for characters. Right. right. And like that, the moment they come to that realization, like this is how it's going to end for me. Right. Um, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, water, you know, water often linked to that as well. And we had some water in this episode, too. So. Mm. What was the water that you're thinking of? I think like the shower for Vito Jr. Because um, I think he's also like making a choice about who he's going to be in that moment too, <laughs> or like trying to gain control, maybe. Also. And also maybe rejecting his ablution. Like we've had yeah. showers being points of redemption for characters, and he actually goes the complete opposite direction by literally taking Should a shit I, in the shower, taking a dump. And then we have Carmela when there's that storm, the night she's closing on, or the night of the inspection of her spec house, right? Uh, when she calls her dad. Right, because right. she's worried. Right, she has this weight on her, but she doesn't choose to like tell her cousin Brian about this or mm. not sell them the house. Right, like right. she's made this choice pretty loud and clear too. That for her it was about the money. Yeah, which is interesting. And like that, and even Tony says that. Like she, he's like Brian's <sighs> fucked people over all his life or something. I don't know. Like he, like yeah. Tony like makes a classic case for it. mobster. Yeah. yeah. Rationalization. But yeah, I don't know. We just have these characters like we really see who they who they are. Yeah, that aspect of money too, that's also the thing that creates this first rift. Yeah. No, no, well, no, oh. between Carmela and Tony in this episode. Sure. Like it's that moment where Carmela says, I thought this was my money. Right. Actually, and there's this interesting shot right after that where Carmela and Tony kind of, I guess, embrace, but they're framed by the doorway, mm. which we've been, we've which seen we've before. seen before, yeah. like this trapped feeling that they're yeah. trapped within their own house. I mean, that mentality would trap you. I mean, and this uh, this obsession with with money and who, mm-hmm. whose money it is, and screwing over other people and rationalizing based yeah. on feeling like they've done the same is not really leading to anywhere that. Is that positive for these characters? Yeah. And then money yeah. too. Like well, money, money with hash. I think like money just showing up the whole episode. Yeah. Um, and again, like you know, Tony's recklessness, but then also like the way he uses it to hurt people, right? Right. Which, like, gosh, like to go to like Hesh's partner dies, and then you go and you like <laughs> leave a bag of money in front of him on the table. Sorry for your loss. <laughs> like. That was cruel. Yeah. Like, we know that Tony can be cruel, but he, like, you saw the look on his face after. Like, that felt right. good to him. Also, I can't resist walking out. Last scene. Total black and white. Walks out. It's just strictly black and white. I forget if it's the black door or white door, but it's, like, one of those framed by the opposite right. one as he walks out. This kind of, like, emphatic black and white mentality of, of going about things. and Yeah. How it just kind of, I don't know, his lack of empathy is kind of astounding in that, yeah. in that moment. It really is. Yeah. And this, this primary focus on, on finances and manipulation and 
Mm-hmm. And there is, I mean, all all episode there is this focus on money, which I think is interesting actually, because all episode we actually see Tony dressed much better than he has been pretty much the whole series. Like he's actually wearing these very flashy suits with pocket squares mm-hmm. and ties and like his like his finest pinstripe suits, like mm-hmm. things that we don't see often. And he's like putting out this image as mm-hmm. he's actually kind of falling apart very early on in the episode um, with Tony and Hesh on money. When he gives him his first 3000, there's this close up on money again, close ups being something that we've associated with moments of importance in this show, typically on characters faces, but also on objects to kind of give them prominence. Um, there's a, I mean, there's a lot, even Tony in the beginning of his session with Melfi, where he says, there's a lot of Jews in your business. And Melfi says, my business, this, this idea of Tony thinking of therapy as a business, mm. the, like this transaction of mm-hmm, money that mm-hmm. it could operate mm-hmm. like a business. I meant to bring that up earlier. Yeah. Which is not. And the entire yeah. point is this, is this kind of realm of reflection that Tony's not engaging in and Melfi's getting more and more upset by. But Tony is seeing it in these transactional terms, Mm -hmm. which kind of defeats the purpose, which for me actually kind of ties into that kind of black and white mentality that we're left the episode, that we leave the episode with. Well, we also realize that money is what ties Tony and Hesh together at all, right? Like, I think, like, Melfi asks the question, like, she's like, it doesn't sound like you're talking about a friend. Right. When Tony's talking about Hesh. And he certainly isn't treating Hesh like a friend right. in this episode either. And so we were like, well, what is their relationship based on, right? And it seems like, you know, he and Tony have this transactional um, relationship where he kind of like provides muscle for Hesh when Hesh needs it. And, yeah. you know, and he can loan Tony money, I guess. And so is it a friendship? Like, Tony's like, this guy and I go way back. Um, and yet, and, but yeah, in this episode, Hesh is terrified that Tony's going to kill him. Yeah, and Hesh is even told, he's saying, like, he's told, this is why I don't like you seeing him before bed. Yeah. It, implying that this is something that has happened before, too. Yes. Like, she doesn't like... It's like an ongoing... It's an ongoing yeah. issue. There is obviously uh, problems between those two that we don't get to witness that are suggested through the excellent writing that is... So good. Matthew Weiner. So good. <laughs> yeah. Um, we had a request recently from from somebody on our Sopranos email line about doing a Mad Men podcast, which we'll see. <laughs> the The concept Matthew of the Wiener. show, the concept of the show, could be Val and Alex review a Matthew Weiner production that Val doesn't really like. I, yeah, I don't know. Maybe if we would you like to hear a Mad Men podcast? I don't know if I With really that concept. want to. <laughs> well, I don't know how much I like Mad Men. I think it's problematic. But I could also be convinced otherwise. Right. Um, I think we're going to take a little podcast break. But I also, this. yeah, but I also need to do another podcast like I need a hole in my vacation. Head for yeah. a little bit. Maybe next year. Maybe. 2020. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. We toy with the idea of maybe doing movies, but it's stressful. It stresses me out <laughs> a lot. There's a lot of people who know a lot about movies. And, and we don't. We're just people. We just like <laughs> movies and TV. You just, just like stuff. And yeah. like thinking about it. Um, but yeah, if you think you'd like that, <laughs> let us know. Um, I or not. We're fine. Or not. <laughs> we're doing yeah. great. <laughs> we're okay. We'll also be fine if we just do this podcast. Exactly. Forever. Yeah. Um, what so, else did we want to talk about? I, I 
Well, I think we were, I mean, we were talking about this focus on money, yeah. this focus, focus on Tony's projection of mm-hmm. image, um, on control. It's interesting, actually, because I feel like this episode is set up where a very early scene of Phil, we were talking about him having the cigar, yeah. blowing smoke, with Tony. It's actually filmed with this very shaky camera, mm. which I actually love. The Nancy Sinatra scene? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah man, the Nancy Sinatra scene. Here's a here's a little trivia tidbit that you'll only get on this podcast because it's unknowable information unless it's from us. Is that I only know this because I was playing with a saxophone player in New York who's been around New York for a long time. And he was telling me about how he filmed that scene. He was playing piano somehow <laughs> in that scene. Michael Hashem. Hashim. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. But if you want some incredibly deep Sopranos knowledge that you could only get from this podcast, there it is. He's playing podcast. He's, he's playing podcast. He's playing piano. And uh, now when we watched this episode, I realized um, all of the musicians are blurred out. Except for Nancy Sinatra. So there you go. Wow, Alex. That was such great trivia. Well... What can I say? <laughs> I. <laughs> it's one of the rare uh, times where Sopranos and my real life overlap. So. Did he get to like? Was it live or did they film them separately? Like, Don't did remember. He, was, he in, was he in a room with James Gandolfini and all those guys? Yeah, he was, and he said that they all sounded like they are in the like a lot of them sounded like they are on the show. I think he said like Tony Sirico. It basically it surprised him. He was basically like he was like listening to, Polly. Right. Yeah. That doesn't surprise me. Most of his stories were about hanging out with Nancy Sinatra. I think he was more excited about them. I had, I had like all these questions about The Sopranos and it mostly went into music, which is cool. I like music too. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. It's fine. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could talk about music anytime, really. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. The only thing I ha- I don't know where you're at. Mm-hmm. Where am I at? Where are you at? Well, sorry, I got yeah. put off track. With yeah, music. the band, uh, Phil. Phil the attorney. Right, well, we have the this, cigar. Like, this control. Shaky, okay. Yeah, this we, shaky we had to control. For a Thank second. you. Wow. Okay. Good sorry. job. Yeah. <laughs> I was completely lost at sea. But the shaky camera work, this reflection of how Tony actually is very out of control at this moment. Yeah. It's a time where. We've seen that before, also. Yeah, Phil actually is asserting himself. Tony does not have the upper hand here and he's maybe trying to get control by gambling and and getting a sense of being able to take command of something. Mm -hmm. And it is very destructive and ultimately he is just falling back further and further as he's chasing it much like an addict would. It is basically the actions of an addict. But at the end of the day, there is this untalked about piano hanging over his head that isn't really dealt with in this episode. And so... I mean, I think that's very relevant because it is a moment where Tony is fundamentally out of control. Right, right, right. Somebody right. is controlling the situation yeah, over him. I see what you mean. Yeah, no, I think you're, I think you're on to something. There is um, a lot of talk between Tony and Phil as well to Vito Jr. about how he should be acting. Mm-hmm. And it seems to kind of fall on deaf ears. This idea of... Well, for Phil, like, be a man. Be a man, and for Tony, be the man of the household. Yeah, both of them. Right? And it's just not really... Like, that kind of, like, 1950s mantra just doesn't really seem to work to Vito, who has been affected by the damage and toxicity of these people and and what they've done. Um, This, yeah, Phil saying, she cries for you, your mother. Um, 
that was an interesting moment for me because as he says, she cries for you. There's a close up on Vito Jr.'s face. This idea of crying, something that we've looked at at important moments for particularly Phil Leotardo, yeah. for Tony, for other characters. That idea of crying really affecting the people in Soprano's world and how that actually does seem to resonate with Vito Jr. Mm-hmm. The fact that maybe he's damaging his mother is more has more of an impact on him than this right. idea of not fitting a masculine, you know, kind of right. archetype. Well, it's interesting, too, how they treat him differently. Like, they have different expectations for him than for Francesca or whatever, right? Like, who doesn't right. seem to be that much younger? She's nine. Right. How old is what, he? what, like, 13, maybe? Like, that's what I... That was... He looks young. I don't know. He's pretty Yeah. Young. Like, seventh or eighth grade. He's a young goth. He's like a little... Little goth. Little guy. A little goth. They, you know, they mature later. Um... But, like, there's a different treatment, right? Like, he has this responsibility to be the man of the house, blah, blah, blah. But with Francesca, or is that her mm. name? Uh, that's what I thought. Yeah, yeah okay. <laughs> Sorry, I second-guessed myself for a sec. Um, they were, like, the poor girl. Like, what did she do? Like, um, all concerned for her, that this isn't fair to her. Right. Right? But, so, right. again, this, like, treatment of, like, that's what's really a, interesting. a man expected to be or to do? And how do the characters in our show fit that? Right. Or not, right? right? Like, Tony isn't being a man either. Right. Maybe he is. I don't know. What's the definition of a man? <laughs> but he's not being man. that, like, 1950s man stereotype. Right. He's not, like, you know. Or maybe he is. I don't know. In some ways, he is, right? In some he's ways, like, he is. You know, providing a nice life for his wife and his kids. Yeah. <laughs> Feeling threatened um, by her business. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Threatening and violence then in some against ways her. He's not. Um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. There's a lot of questions. There's a lot that it opens up. But I don't have high hopes for Vito Jr. <laughs> I feel bad for him. And it sucks that he's going to Idaho. Nobody wants to. Well, yeah. I should say that. <laughs> I... If you're listening in Idaho, we want to go. Sounds great. <laughs> we, we want to check it out. We do want to. We go. just don't want to go to that camp. Yeah, it's funny. Like, there's some scenes in this episode that are like really visceral, um, like when Hesh's partner dies. What's her name? Kendra. No. Oh yeah, I forget her name already. Gosh. Mm, um, not well, good. We like basically just meet her. We've seen her right. Like, twice I know. Before, there's so many right? characters. It's a lot. <laughs> I, I think that's correct. They did. They did say her name. I know. You know. Um, but. Um, like that's a very like when we see like him fi- like waking up and she's dead like mm-hmm. very visceral the scene where Vito Jr. gets carted away by um, these like you know pray the gay way kind of camp guys right um, or like military whatever it is right like military camp where they can hit kids right um, like that's also very traumatizing right again like right. it's pretty I mean like the you know the mom, Karen, apologizing, like being like, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry." Marie, isn't it? Marie, I'm Marie. sorry. I'm I'm not good with the names tonight. There's too many. <laughs> it's too Karen. much. We're all yeah. Marie, Bobby's dead wife. <laughs> yeah. oh, it's a lot. It's a lot. Vito kind of looks like Bobby Jr. Right. <laughs> you know, it's it's a lot. Also, anyways, yeah, like you know, Marie I, saying, "I'm sorry," but I don't know, like the hypocrisy too of Tony saying that there's no geographical solution to yeah. an emotional problem, and yeah. then ultimately just shipping Vito Jr. away because yeah. it's cheaper. 
because he can do it for yeah. 18 grand instead of 100 grand. Yeah. Exactly. And also, I think there's something to be said for actually having them relocate to Maine. I think we've seen time and time again on this show that just escaping the orbit of the mafia mm-hmm. world is the best thing and the most healthy thing you can do. In fact, I think it's kind of the character's only shot at redemption and escaping this yeah. kind of cycle that exists around yep. the family. And so for $100,000 um, or whatever it would have taken, I think it actually did have the potential to do something good. I think in some ways there is a geographical solution because it gets you away from everything that's occurring yeah. around Tony Soprano. Yeah. I mean, in some ways, the impact, they like still go with the impact, right? Like they're, they're still impacted by Tony Soprano, even if they get away. Right? right, and I think that's the thing. Like even with like Meadow being away and um, whatever, like we've seen this again and again. I mean, but Meadow even also with, keeps on coming with, back. Even with like Barbara or something like that, like she's away. I don't know. I would but, argue, but she also grew up in that household. Like we don't know about we don't, it. We don't know about it. But Barbara, but I think it's better. Maybe we don't know about Barbara. That's true. Right, and so I think that's the thing. Like that's if my they, if they got away. Feeling. I yeah. I don't know. I feel maybe it like. That's the point. I feel like the point is we don't know. I think Barbara. she's definitely doing better than Tony and Janice. Um, I, again, I don't know because I think like if we just it's Marie it's and Vito Jr. and Francesca all moved to Maine, right? Their lives and their psyches and whatever are still impacted by Tony Soprano. You can't escape that, right? Like pebbles in a lake. Even the fish feel them. Even the fish feel them. Mm-hmm. It's true. And even, yeah, like we don't really get a window into what people are going through. I mean, even that last scene, that's Hesh's moment, really, in terms of like we leave the episode and he is dealing with his grief. His partner has passed on. Yeah. And passed on. (laughs) I feel bad. I don't remember her name. It's a a strange way of putting it. So so you had to say that she passed on. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm sorry. Um, But we're left with nothing for him. We no. really don't have any window into how he's dealing with this, how it's affecting him because Tony comes, gives him the money and then leaves. Mm-hmm. And if anything, we're actually dealt with how it impacts Tony Soprano, not how it yeah. inf- impacts Hesh. Yeah. Even though it's so unrelated to Tony and the only correct response to that is to be empathetic and look out for his friend. Mm-hmm. His friend in quotation right. marks. friend in quotation marks. But... Yeah. He's not. And we actually don't have any opportunity to know how this is truly impacting Hesh. We have a window into what it means for Tony Soprano and how he's dealing with the issues of this episode um, and how the death of Hesh's partner actually kind of affects that. So that's a, yeah, that's kind of all we have. Yeah. Wow. And also, I mean, Tony considers not paying Hesh and his, his, right. His peers are basically suggesting the yeah, same thing. Yeah, they're like, what's he going to do? What's he going to do? So, I mean, that definitely is a window into what's going on here and, and Tony's calculus and how Hesh should actually be worried. I think he does actually have something to be worried about. Yeah, I agree. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Thank you for listening. Tony's like an animal backed into a corner. Yeah. We only have five more episodes. Yeah. And then our 6B recap. Yeah. <laughs> We're trying to finish these before Alex leaves on tour. So. Right. Um, we have to. So. <laughs> Otherwise, there's going to be a major delay. <laughs> <laughs> um, as usual, major delays. But This would be even more major. <laughs> yeah, he's going to be gone for a while. So hopefully we get that done. 
Yeah, we'll get it done. And We're gonna do you'll it. be hearing it. Yeah, or I'll and... do it remote. <laughs> <laughs> cool. We'll call in. Yeah, it'll be great. So thank you for listening. Yep. We'll be back soon. We're getting to some pretty major episodes mm-hmm. of The Sopranos. So keep tuning in. If you have been enjoying the podcast, you can always write us. We like talking about it. You can rate and review the show on iTunes to help oh, people find it. And we would love to hear from you. So let's talk about Sopranos. Unfortunately, I can't go to Sopranos Con. The first Sopranos Con. You said this last week. Well, it's a big deal. It makes me very sad. I would have liked to have gone and met all the Sopranos fans. I know. But I can't. I'm not here. Anyway. So you'll have to email Alex. So he feels like he went to Sopranos Con. (laughs) Please do. (laughs) Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.